0: Hello, my name is Teresa Calvano and I'm the head of the technology practice at Ruth Pedersen Public Affairs Brussels. You are listening to Europe's Digital Frontrunners, a podcast series brought to you by Ruth Pedersen to explore the D9 Plus group. As you may know, this is an informal alliance of the digital ministers of some EU member states They want to promote utilization, implementation and sharing of best practices of digitalization. These countries are driving the EU agenda and that's why we're eager to hear their voices. Thank you, Teresa. Uh, I'm Claudio Murray, I'm senior advisor at uh, Ruth Pedersen Public Affairs in Brussels, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the second episode of our series of podcasts on the uh, European digital frontrunners. Today, uh, we have the privilege to host Mr. Christer Nilsson, who is the State Secretary for Foreign Trade and Nordic Affairs for the Government of Sweden. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Nilsson. Thank you, my pleasure. Uh, Just as a quick introduction for our audience. Um, Prior to your direct involvement in government, uh, you have had a long and distinguished career as a political advisor, both at national and uh, European level, so so you know Brussels quite well. But you were also a public affairs specialist for a long time, particularly on um, environment, energy and climate, which are incidentally uh, areas of of strength also for Rupert Peterson uh, public affairs so so it's a double pleasure for me to have this conversation with uh, you as a prominent european political leader but also as a former colleague thank you so as we said in the introduction uh, the uh, the objective of this podcast is to explore how the the d9 plus uh, group of countries are driving the eu tech agenda Uh, how that can enhance policy cooperation within the EU and beyond. So this conversation could not be more appropriate since Sweden actually uh, took the initiative to create this group Uh, back in 2016. It was nine countries, so it was called uh, the D9. Um, So I'm I'm quite curious to understand why uh, your country, which has long been one of uh, Europe's uh, leaders and most advanced digital societies, uh, felt that it was important to create this group. Uh, and um, and also what uh, you still see is the added value today for uh, Sweden to spend time and effort on this initiative. I also see that you are continuing to grow the group, um, the membership outreaching also now to countries that are not necessarily uh, the the digital frontrunners. Uh, so so what what do you still see um, the the value to to be part of this?
1: Thank you um, and and thank you for the question, going back a little bit to to where all these uh, cooperation started. Um, but But I think the, the answer is quite simple. We can together, uh, like-minded countries, proactively set the agenda, um, make our priorities clear. and and together we can give way to our common experiences and and uh, proposals. Um, also making contributions to the ongoing discussions. Uh, on the uh, European level and of course uh, the cooperation as such between us as countries also makes um, a strong platform for our dialogue with other actors within our countries or or together so before or after uh, meetings we have in this coalition we have dialogues with our uh, business sector and other parts of the the civil society in order to to also um, reflect the the, uh, most important issues that are uh, on the table for them as the real uh, transformers when it comes to the the, the digitalization so that is the the short answer and of course it all goes back to seeing digitalization as a priority for, for us as a government and is that is, it's actually one of the three prioritized issues when it comes to the EU's internal market. So we see digitalization as very crucial. And of course, coming back to the, it's a key component for, for the, the development of our uh, business sectors. Uh, it's a key component for, for uh, creating a competitive EU. Um, And it's uh, crucial for all the necessary innovation that we see today when it comes to green transformation or other high political goals for for the political cooperation. We see digitalization as an important tool in in, uh, also other areas. So having these uh, cooperation helps us in in that
0: regard and and has proven to be very um, helpful. Yeah, that's that's very interesting, and and that was actually something that I wanted to ask you because uh, you mentioned uh, you know cooperation with other actors, and uh, uh, traditionally the Nordic countries have been uh, working uh, together in, in very strict cooperation, and uh, you know you all the Nordic countries are among the top performers uh, in all the digital indicators, um, and and you mentioned the the green transformation, which is which is obviously. If you look at the, uh, the priorities of, of, of this commission, uh, the, the very uh, big, the two uh, main initiatives are the digital and the green deal. Uh, so um, you mentioned how they can interplay. Can you, can you expand a little bit on that? And do you see um, these two agendas actually being very strictly interconnected rather than being two key priorities that go their own way?
1: I mean, I think digitalization and the, the green transformation has for a very, very long time uh, been interconnected. And uh, it's a, a maturing um, linkage between the, the two areas. If you want to generalize, you can say that the companies and the um, um, other actors that are, are a part of, of front runners in the green transition, if we talk about front runners, they are the ones that are innovative, that are modern, that are thinking of new solutions. They are global. They are interacting with, with other actors. They are building new business um, models. They are are uh, having new global uh, value chain. You can't be a front runner in any regard without being also digitalized and, and uh, include digitalization in your model. So I, I would say on the business level and the societal level, being modern, being a front in digitalization uh, is a key component for also being modern and the front runner in, in other areas in general, because the innovation, the, the way of, of looking at, at the, the transformation is, is similar. But you also mentioned my, my previous background. And, and of course, for many, many years before also being a part of the, of the uh, a former colleague, I was a state secretary of the Ministry of Environment, and, and when we talked about how to modernizing transport, how to decrease the need for transportation, um, of course, in many, already then for many years, you saw that digitalization and building new cities um, being more effective in planning routes for buses and collective uh, transport. That means that you need to have an amount of digitalization. So I'm not an expert today to say what is the key interlinkage between the two areas, but they are and have been for a long time. And the common um, dominator is being modern being a part of transformation, looking into what what comes up next. Maybe a broad answer to your question, but
0: um uh, uh, personal well, It's an excellent answer. I, I would like to move, uh, given that uh, one of your responsibilities is is uh, foreign trade, um, and and looking at uh, the the digital agenda uh, of the EU, uh, one uh, one aspect is what the Commission uh, defines as digital sovereignty. And uh, you know, when you look at the D nine, the, the last declaration, I believe, from the meeting that you held in Finland, and and, and you actually signed it for Sweden. <clears throat> was this balance between achieving uh, technological leadership for Europe in the long term, but also maintaining a, a an open market, strengthening global cooperation, and, and the external trade dimension? So, in terms of uh, uh, this this idea of ensuring uh, the technological resilience and self reliance. Um, how, how, do you, how do you define this concept of uh, digital sovereignty? I mean, what does it mean in practice? Is it compatible with, uh, for example, the need of uh, your businesses in the EU to uh, to access goods and services so that they can remain uh, competitive internationally? Uh, I'm asking you these questions because um, we, we do see in some member states that either a national or regional or local level, Uh, examples where companies are being excluded from tenders, for example, uh, on the basis of their nationality rather than their ability to to really contribute?
1: Uh, I think it's important to see that the digital sovereignty means in our view uh, that we should promote the digital digitalization and digital transformation, that we should be competitive, as you say, that we should be um, taking the lead and keep up with having the, the, the leadership in, in the technological development and innovation. If we are strong, uh, have the lead, if we are competitive, that means also that we create a more resilient EU. And um, While we also, in some cases, must, of course, see that where it's um, needed, uh, we should be smart and selective in, in taking action when we see that we have... Um, capacity lackages or or something that that is needed in order to take that role and and be a frontrunner as a a market and a a region. So I I would say that we must stop seeing it possibly as as two different uh, perspectives. I mean, in order to be open, in order to be free traders, uh, in order to be um, uh, competitive, We need to have also the the cooperation on a global level when it comes to innovation, when it comes to developing the business model. So uh, being open, uh, uh, being strong, that that is important, but we should be resilient uh, by focusing on on how we build this this position. So um, the, the digital sovereignty in that regard relating to the, the trade should be um, in, in one way translated into competitiveness and, and strength uh, in our capacities on, on digitalization
0: i i actually i agree with you hundred uh, percent um uh, but there is an ongoing discussion about uh, in the eu are we too dependent on non-eu providers uh, one one example is cloud services. You know, most of the of the very large uh, cloud providers uh, are from the U.S. Um, and uh, I saw that, for example, the same D9 declaration uh, quoted that uh, uh, industrial data sharing platforms intermediaries uh, uh, have a strategic roles in in accelerating the development of future value networks. Um, and we see that our efforts to create a European capacity in cloud services, but it's not going to be immediate. Some people wonder: is there a risk of protectionism in the EU agenda? Uh, it could be harming transatlantic cooperation, but also could damage um, open economies like like Sweden. That uh, you know, if you were forced not to use certain services just because they're not European, it could put your companies at a disadvantage. I, I don't know how you see
1: that. I, I would say that that um, we also, when it comes to the dependence on, on different platforms and and so forth, you you could just recognize that, of course, there is always a dependence on on different um, sectors, and that goes both ways. That we we see that uh, we have a very strong position in in europe developing technologies and and platforms that are we are dominating and and we are 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 very strong but i I think the answer to your question is that we we must always see that we towards different actors that are are dominating or or, um, having a strong um, position on the market we should also define what is our views what is our demands what is our uh, what our challenges do we see and and we must uh, um uh, meet these questions um, together I mean if even if there is a, an actor that are having a dominant uh, position um, that should not mean that we are not when it comes to discussion or regulations or, or so forth of, um uh, backing down because we should also not of course have that uh, discussion and if you look at other areas in digitalization we see the discussion as well and, and in our view um, we are always open to, to um, the development that is going in innovative new solutions uh, initiatives that uh, are strengthening and broader the competition and that is uh, the important part that we see that Everything must be also developed in, in the uh, open and uh, com- competitive uh, environment. That we are looking forward to, to new solutions, but and then platforms in, uh, in a competitive way. And, and that is in, in platforms that is also relating to other technologies in, in the digitalization.
0: And in in terms of uh, of playing this uh, leadership role, because we're we're looking at this always in the context of of the D9 group, the D9 plus, and your participation in it, uh, and and how you, uh, in in a sense, you're a, a, an internal lobbying within the EU, uh, bringing your example as digital frontrunners. I mean, Sweden also has uh, a, a very large amount of very successful digital companies uh, such as Ericsson, Spotify. Klarna, just to name a few. Um, I saw statistics that, uh, you know, most than 40% of Swedish enterprises have incorporated cloud services of uh, medium high sophistication. So, so you you definitely have a very interesting story to tell. I was wondering how how does that influence, uh, you know, from Sweden, Uh, the perspective regarding digital policy within the eu uh, are other countries receptive to follow your example Um, or uh, have you seen any adverse reaction from uh, other eu countries that have not been participating in the d9 plus about this initiative
1: i i have not and i i think what what we are able to do and, and there is of course in many different areas and sectors Uh, and in different um, uh, groups of of member states working together on on particular um, areas of of common interest so working as like-minded focused areas is is something that is not that unique I would say that is an example that we can find in many other areas as well so I I don't think there is I've seen any negative reactions to the initiatives we, we have I, I think well to your question also what, what, with the example of the Swedish companies that uh, has been globally successful and, and the what, what that means for us is of course that we see that that uh, uh, we have good examples we, we get the stories of what is needed we, we have the dialogue about what are the um, necessary regulations uh, initiatives on the eu market we have a close relation to these companies and others i would say so that is of course important and i think it's valued in the debate in the political discussion rooms that you can uh, have the examples from from what is the realities what is the, actually the companies and the business sector uh, saying but also having the dialogue with trade unions and um, different authorities, so the civil society as such. But of course, to your question, the short answer, yes, it has been helpful and we have had a very good dialogue with the examples you mentioned.
0: You also mentioned, uh, you just mentioned the, the regulatory approaches, and that's another interesting and, and somehow difficult point. I mean, uh, we've been talking about trading partners. We focused on the US I mean, there are many others. But uh, in particular, in this area, the EU has been successfully try to establish a leadership in, in uh, regulatory approaches in certain areas of digital uh, you know data protection comes to mind but it's not the only one uh the work that the eu is doing now on artificial intelligence for example uh and and there seems to be this sort of dichotomy where uh from a in an industrial point of view uh the eu and u.s technology sectors are, are very deeply integrated and yet the eu and u.s from a political point of view seem to be pursuing independent or, or, or separate regulatory approaches. How, how do you see that being uh, uh, reconciled in, in the medium long term? And, and can Sweden have a, a successful role in promoting this, uh, uh, this uh, more integrated dialogue, open dialogue between the, the EU and the US?
1: I think the the Commission has made it very clear that it is a high priority to have a good uh, transatlantic uh, dialogue and taking um, initiatives now on on deepening and integrating the the technology sector also when it comes to the the new um, uh, Trade and Technology Council, for example, as one initiative, of course, when Possible when asked for when we can do contribute to this that will be a priority for us of course but but to your question I think it's very important and I think the EU um, uh, as a whole has made it very clear that we want to have this dialogue we want to 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 you know, come closer and it's a very good. Um, initiative also uh, the discussions that uh, come with a new administration in the u.s and and between the commission with as i mentioned the the trade and technology council so we are putting great hopes to that the new initiatives dialogues also on standards and regulations would actually take the next step and and we have a, a common agenda that we Um, believe could be um, um, a a change to the the um, uh, dialogue that as
0: it has been so so we're looking forward to this so i mentioned uh data data protection as one of the of the issues and uh, uh, and we also mentioned cloud computing before and these two issues are very intimately linked uh you know data flows to third countries is is a very important fuel for for uh, global businesses and, and I, I feel that uh, the debate has always uh, or very often been uh, massively focused on personal data, which is, of course, a, a very key issue, uh, especially for us uh, in, in Europe. Uh, but then there is a very other important issue, uh, that is the non-personal data is very important for, for business and for innovation. Uh, and there is a discussion how that can be facilitated, uh, The the... the Transmission of these non-personal data between various entities uh, in in different countries, uh, inside and outside the EU. Uh, do you have a point of view of that and how that can be facilitated? I can say that 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 is exactly one of the
1: topics that we have put high on the agenda, um, based on the discussions we we have also with our uh, business sectors and and the, the companies and especially the, I would say the companies the traditional. Um, industry that are as you know today having uh, their products as one part of course still uh, selling but vehicles today is more or less um, um, computers on the road we we have the service agreements that are a part of of um, the, the the business solutions so also the 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 global companies the traditional industrial companies today are so integrated when it comes to data flow so it's a part of what they actually sell and produce so for them it's it's absolutely crucial that we firstly on the single market can can have the the flow of of free flow of data when it comes to not personalized data and and of course when we have a discussion with them uh, as we had recently before the last um, uh, D9 meeting. They, they also talked about the the future uh, trade agreements, how to uh, build the, the um, uh, data flows as a part of the negotiations and trade agreements. So I think we're just at the beginning to see how this issue that you are, are pointing at should be Having the 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 effects the on, on, on different ways when we discuss the uh, regulatory part, but trade agreement is of course one one of them. We are looking forward now that the initiatives that uh, the Commission have uh, put in the, on the table when it comes to um, the data protection regulations and, and uh, the when it comes to the policy for for uh, uh, rules on, on data flows should be um, a step forward and and, uh, as you know many of uh, us and other countries have have put our um, views on the table when it comes to to the development of these um, initiatives but super priority it's crucial for for um, the industry today that are are in the forefront and uh, something that we will follow very very closely
0: Well, of course, uh, as the state secretary in charge of foreign trade, you mentioned trade agreements. I I find this quite interesting because my impression is that uh, this is a tool um, that has been in in deep crisis uh, in in recent years. Uh, Both the multilateral system and and the bilateral trade agreements have uh, run into a lot of difficulties. Um, They actually seem to have a, a slightly negative reputation in the eyes of the general public and And you know we we even had a very, very hard time negotiating one with one of our former member states that should have been uh, maybe relatively easy to achieve. so how how do you see that? I mean, uh, how do how do we revive the system? How do we impress the importance of this tool uh, for our economies uh, to to uh, our general public that now see uh, trade agreements as uh, something, um, i wouldn't say evil because i don't want to exaggerate but but there has been a lot of resistance in in accepting uh the idea of opening up to other countries
1: no uh, in in if we take just a, a short comment on, on uh, trade agreements and, and trade in general and and the the continuously task that we are uh, have in front of us uh, showing the positive effects showing the the a positive effect on, on globalization, the trade's ability to, to uh, contribute to the Paris Agreement on Climate, how trade can contribute to, to reach the SDGs of the United Nations when it comes to um, um, also um, increase uh, um, the health situation, for example. I mean, in the, in the beginning of the COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic, we launched an initiative that was called Trade for Health, showing that it should rather decrease the barriers for for trade when it comes to medical equipment and and medical uh, services, because we needed more medical services and, and products uh, reaching out to more people rather than and, and raising um, obstacles. I, I I think the the vaccine debate is is showing that as well that. We, we need to have um, uh, uh, trade agreements, we need to have more um, global solutions. So in many ways, I, I think that is a uh, discussion that we need to take, as you mentioned. When we look at, at um, trade agreements and digitalization, I think and we hope that the discussions on the e-commerce in the W2 will... Um, um, have the success that that we are longing for, I mean 80% uh, participating countries over 90% of the world trade uh, representing uh, so it's very important that we could have these successes and I I think it will be uh, important when it comes to trade agreements in general, I mean we have historically seen trade in products and we have seen trade in, in in, in services. I, I think we will foresee that products and services will, will be even more integrated and, and the the free flow of uh, data will be a part of that as well. So I'm confident that we should uh, have more trade relations, we should have more trade agreements, uh, and that will be something that we will have on the agenda and that must also be a part of how we spread the digitalization.
0: thank you. maybe maybe before we we end this uh, very interesting conversation and going back to focus on 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 Europe, um, coming from one of the uh, the leaders uh, in, in Europe and globally on on the, on the digital economy. Uh, if you could uh, give a word of wisdom or an advice to your fellow um, uh, European uh, member states about uh, how uh, European policy uh, and policymakers can help our companies scale up and become more innovative and competitive globally, what would be your 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 key message there? Knowledge.
1: Uh, I think the the history um, uh, of Sweden when it comes to the has been that we have been working with with knowledge and and competence uh, uh, amongst consumers, amongst um, uh, schools, uh, in society in general, we have um, uh, created the ability to to, um, embrace the digitalization and that is historically many different initiatives that have created that, that um, uh, confidence um, in in general in, in society if you have that then you can create the interaction between society consumers um, citizens and the new business solutions so uh, on an almost philosophic um, uh, level I would say that is, is one part of the, the answer of, of how to be um, successful. But of course there are, are many other um, uh, things as, as well. And I think the, the, uh, for us it's, it's um, having the, the um, interaction between uh, society, academia, and the companies, the, the triple helix model and, and discussing new solutions and, and the, the test beds um, um, that, that we try and develop different uh, solutions. I, I think that is, is one part of it as well. With that said, also um, having the, the close relation to, to the startup scene, the new companies, the, the as, as I often said, the born global that uh, are also international from the day one with their possibilities of, of solutions I, I personally went to Egypt for, for, for a, um, a trip and, and uh, there we saw um, a one-man Swedish startup having as a second stage in their business development was actually to make an introduction to the Egyptian market after uh, having started in, in Sweden so I think there is a new way of doing business developing business being in, innovative that Uh, Digitalization has made possible, and we should embrace and understand, even if it's a new way of developing companies, they often do that also together with the larger companies that are uh, the the providers of, of digital solutions as well, so I mean. And we see a very um, interesting relation between the startup scene and the traditional companies and, and the symbiotic yeah, development. where I think is, is uh, um, very impressive. So a holistic perspective might be the final
0: word uh, on, on, your, on your question. Well, oh, that's wonderful. I I wish you personally and, and Sweden uh, the, the the biggest possible success in uh, in um, helping uh, the European Union in this quest of uh, of becoming uh, technologically competitive at, at, at the highest level in in many areas of digital so thank you, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and contributing your uh, your ideas and and your experience uh, to um, for for the benefit of our audience. And as I said again, um, I wish you all all the best uh, in uh, in your endeavor.
1: Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Pleasure talking to you.